Hi there, I am Ivy, and welcome to the Four Parents Podcast. Pop in your earbuds and multitask while we talk about all the parenting stuff. Lessons learned, funny stories, and practical wisdom from normal people who have been there. In this episode, I'm talking with Abby and Rick about being parents to three boys. Their oldest son, Noah, has Down syndrome. I know them because their middle son, Jackson, and my oldest son, Warren, were in the same first grade class. Okay, well, that's not totally true. Let me back up a little bit. When Warren was a baby, I took him to his, I think it was, six-month checkup at our pediatrician, and Dr. Abby Smith walked in. She checked Warren out and told me that she also had a baby boy around the same age, so it was really sweet to connect on being moms of babies around the same age. So fast forward, those boys were in the same class, and I eventually put it together, I don't know when, some point during the year. All I knew about them was she is a pediatrician mom, he is a very engaged dad, and they have three boys, and one of the boys has Down syndrome. So... I asked Abby and Rick if they would be on the podcast to talk about being parents to Noah. They said, of course, we'd love to. And we met to record. Before I started recording, I always like to ask like, hey, have you ever been on a podcast before? Just because it's kind of stressful. And they sort of like laughed and said, "Uh, yeah, we actually have a podcast. (laughs) Whoops. Um, Guess I didn't fully do my homework on this one, y'all. Sorry about that. So in addition to talking about parenting Noah, you're going to hear about how Noah has impacted thousands of lives through their social media accounts, their website, and an organization they started called Hope Story. Here's our conversation. Okay, I want you all to think back when you found out that Noah had Down syndrome. I want you to tell me what that was like. We were in a hospital room, so we found out Noah had Down syndrome after he was born. Okay. So some people can find out prenatally. We were finding out postnatally. So Noah, I had a C-section. Noah was taken from us and put in the nursery, mm-hmm. and I didn't get a lot of interaction with him during that time. Rick had a little bit. He got to hold him, um, but I did not get to see him. And so he went into the nursery Typically, you're only there for an hour or so, but Noah stayed there for a very, very long time compared to normal. Okay. So we kind of knew something was going on that was different, and I am a pediatrician, so I have background in different things, and I had had an inkling of, does Noah have Down syndrome? I'd had that thought. When he was inside of you or when he was outside? So this is through pictures and through just what I was intaking. Okay. So... I remember wanting to ask my best friend, who was also a pediatrician, who came to visit me uh-huh. before we'd even seen Noah, like, hey, what do you think? Yes. <laughs> but I never asked that question because I just kept it inside. Uh-huh. And then our pediatrician walked in was probably three or four hours from his birth, and then it was at 1030 at night. And so we knew – I knew as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, something's going on right. because your pediatrician doesn't typically come visit you at the hospital at 1030 p.m. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have a baby. And so my heart just dropped mm-hmm. during that time and – we had Rick was in there, my mom, my dad, Rick's mom, and his brother were mm-hmm. all there. And so she had to kind of tell us her concerns during that time. Yeah. So she just said, Noah has features consistent with trisomy 21, mm-hmm. which most people don't know what that means, but I did. Right. <laughs> so I start crying immediately, Aww. but Rick is very confused and like, what does that mean? And so she had to explain, well, that's Down syndrome. Um, and she was very, very kind and just said he was beautiful and kind of went through the things that we have to look at for that. But we were just kind of completely shocked, had no idea that was coming our yeah. way. This is our first kiddo. And we just grieved during that moment because it yeah. was news you weren't expecting. And we've often said you have to grieve the loss of a child you invented. So when I think when people are pregnant, they come up with an idea of what their kids are going to be like, what they're going to do, yeah. all of these things. And so you grieve the loss of a child you invented in your head. And we also grieved for Noah and the challenges mm. he would face. Um, and that's all just because we knew nothing. We, I knew all the medical side of having what Down syndrome looks like, but none of the parenting side. And so yeah. we were just grieving during that time. Um, and we still hadn't seen Noah so they wanted her to come in and tell us that before Noah came in with, I think, the intention of me not diagnosing my own kiddo. Right. To have somebody else come 
take that burden. Right. So then probably within 10 minutes of her leaving, they brought him in. So we had time to kind of compose ourselves. And I remember thinking, okay, I'm not going to cry when I hold him. He's going to, like, I want him only to feel love. Like, we need to love him. And so I was able to hold it in when I first held him. But then later, tears, more tears came. But yeah, that's what the moment was like when we found out. And I don't know if Rick yeah, wants to share. Yeah, what like for you? Getting the news that your child has Down syndrome or anything surprising and shocking like that is, you know, this is one of those moments in your life that is like, feels like you got, you know, just a total out of the blue, one of those situations in your life that's like, you know, at the end of your life, there's like defining moments. And that was yeah. a defining moment where you said, hey, you just think like, man, my entire life, the trajectory of my life is going to change from this point forward. And yeah. you just start, you have all kinds of thoughts. And, you know, you just wonder like, I remember the night before um, Noah was born, we went, to, we went to dinner and I remember even praying something along the lines of like, Lord, thank you for, you know, not giving us a child with special needs. Thank you that our child is healthy or whatever language I use. And just thinking like, man, I could see God giving us a kid with special needs. I'm kind of like outspoken and this could have been a platform. Like I remember thinking those thoughts and thinking like, I'm so glad that really? God. Really? Like the night before he was born? Yeah, I remember. I remember praying it and just thinking I wouldn't be able to handle that. And and so, um, you know, people wrongly um, say, you know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle, right? Which is very unbiblical yeah. that God yeah. often <laughs> does just that. <laughs> gives you more than you can handle so that, yeah. that you can see that, that he can handle it. And and so, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, you, you have a lot of emotions, a lot of feelings, but, you know, thankfully, you know, our faith in Christ, we know that, you know, that God is sovereign and we're like, hey, I guess this is the story that God is writing for our life. And so we can, we can trust him. And so, I mean, I think our faith is what really, you know, got us through all the things, you know, just, yeah. just, just knowing, hey, man, God knows what he's doing. This, you know, he's not surprised by this news, even though we may be. Right. And, and we can trust him that he's, you know, he's writing a good story um, and we can, we can trust him in this. Right. So. Yeah. So it's kind of cool to me that you, you have like a background in medical stuff. You know, like how, but it is unique. You're like, I don't know how to parent it. I know how to. So how do you feel like that's helped you? Yeah. I mean, I remember when Noah was born and I went through every medical complication that could possibly be associated with Down syndrome that I knew and was worried he would have those things. Um, Like immediately, immediately. you're like this, this, this. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, I literally clutched my heart because 50% of kids born with Down syndrome have a congenital heart defect. So I like clutched my heart and I was like, is Noah's heart okay? Yeah. And she's like, he has a murmur, but we're going to have the cardiologist come tomorrow and check it out. And so all these things are in place and we know them very well. But there's also, you know, they can have problems with their thyroid. They have an increased risk for leukemia. Like there's all these things that I was like oh my gosh, this is what I have to worry about. So it was very overwhelming at first. And um, I had to get through all those things. And so the doctors were great and we had all the testing done that needs to happen and all of that. And so Noah did have a heart defect. We just found out that it healed this week, which is kind of fun. (laughs) So I mean, we, we watched it for years and they'd told us we would never have to do anything. So this week was a huge praise because his little hole in his heart did heal. But yeah, the parenting side, I had no idea how to, what this looked like, um, what we needed to do. And so initially I knew that he needed intervention through therapies of like physical, occupational and speech therapy. Mm -hmm. I knew that was very important for him. And I went on a mission to get him all sorts of therapy with the intention, looking back now, to basically therapy Down syndrome out of Noah. Like, I was going to work so hard, and he was going to work okay. so hard yes. that we would put him on an even level <laughs> with all of his peers. Um, and that was just silly. So, but we did a lot of therapy the first year. I mean, we were seeing, at one point, we had two physical therapy sessions a week, two occupational therapies, and speech, and then sometimes a feeding, which is a lot. Yeah. Um, So we were doing that. But it's just I wanted to see what this looked like. And the best thing that ever happened was reaching out to another family who Mm -hmm. was raising a child with Down syndrome. So we spent time in Houston when I was in medical school, and we went to First Baptist Houston Uh there. And so friends connected us to a family there who had, at that time, he was three, Mm -hmm. um, a child with Down syndrome. And they also had another little girl who was older. 
than him. And they're like, you really need to talk to them. They're amazing. And I think it took us two or three weeks before I, like, had the courage <laughs> to call her. Why? Like, what? Because I made it real. Okay. Um, okay. And w- we honestly hadn't had, like, even with my medical knowledge, I remember thinking, well, these are just going to – he – we have a very poor term in medicine that's called that you're just a funny-looking kid. So you don't have a diagnosis. You're just funny-looking. So I really hoped that Noah was just funny-looking. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, he just looks like it but doesn't actually have this. Right. So we were waiting on test results. Um so those came back and confirmed that he was not just funny looking. He did, in fact, have Down syndrome. And so I was kind of waiting on that and just building up the strength to hear what life was going to look right. like. And so, but it was the best conversation I've had. With this other family. Yes, with the other family. So, I mean, I spent an hour on the phone with her in tears and just hearing. She was my guide. Like, she was like, you need to do this. You need to do uh-huh. that. These are really good books. This is what we do. And just, you needed to hear what worked for other families. Yes. And then to see him at three playing with his sister, I think Rick's first video that he watched, he was either playing basketball or doing Michael Jackson on the Wii, like something that just was totally typical. Yes. And we were like, oh, that looks pretty normal. (laughs) Um, And so to see that was really encouraging to us, and that's kind of what inspired what we do now. Yeah. um, In all honesty, so. Yeah. Well, you want to talk about what y'all do now? Sure. I, I want to also say for the record, I don't say anybody's funny looking. So anybody, <laughs> I know, it's to awful. This, I, don't I don't do it anymore. Wait, I don't it do it anymore. Actual, That's wait, my wife. No. It's just a. It's weird. Like when a baby is born, if they're like something, they're, is, there's just something different. Like it syndromes will have a like so Down syndrome has a physical presentation. Okay. So like we can see that the child has that, but some kids will just look different. And you're like, are you just funny looking, or do you have a syndrome? Right. And it's awful. I don't use that term anymore. Trust me. Okay. Um. No. But that's what I was just like hopeful that yeah, maybe he maybe just, maybe just looks different and this yeah. is nothing. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. That's what I never thought that. I would never think anybody's funny looking. <laughs> so, Thanks, babe. <laughs> I'm a horrible person. I know. No. <laughs> so so shortly after Noah was born, you know, we found out that you know a large number of kids prenatally diagnosed with Down syndrome are aborted. So, mm. um, you know, I think. Somewhere north of, of 60% of those kids, there's all sorts of numbers, but a really large number. More people, um, you know, choose to terminate their child after prenatal testing than choose to keep their child. And so, you just, you know, as a believer, you know, you just kind of go, well, man, that that's a problem in the world. And so how do we help that problem now that we're aware of? And so I've always been a tech geek, really big, you know, always technology, the web, the internet, all that kind of stuff. And so I just really, from the very beginning, um, just thought, man, if, if a mom who just got that news could spend some time with us, hang out with us, hang out with Noah, that they could, um, you know, have some hope that they um, would be encouraged, that they would not uh, terminate their baby if they could just have a little window into what life was like raising a child with Down syndrome. Yeah. And so. Um, you know, obviously we couldn't have everyone in the world into our house. And so we started this website, noahsdad.com. And the idea was to simply give people a window into what life was like raising a child with Down syndrome. So we put videos up, just kind of what our day was like, doing normal stuff, just to show people that, um, you know, it wasn't, we weren't spending our day crying in the corner, you know, that we yeah. were just living a normal life. Yes, yes. We had a few more doctor's appointments maybe than other people, but it wasn't, that Noah was still living an awesome life. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, so we started putting videos up, started a Facebook page that now has almost a quarter of a million people that follow his story. But previous, before this, you already were, like, inclined to know how to work all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, I was in the So tech. it was kind of like, this is how I can pair my gifts with what's my story, Definitely, right? like yeah. an intersection. Which I love. An intersection, yeah, of, like, your yeah. giftedness and your passion. Yeah, and so yeah. sort of a sweet spot. Um, yeah, so we started this, yeah, the blog, the social media Instagram and, um, you know, really has connected with people all over the globe, like people all over the globe yes. follow Noah's story. Yeah. And so you think about, um, you know, God using someone's life in a way that really changes the world. That's what, you know, God has really done with mm-hmm. Noah. And so 2018, um, we started this organization called Hope Story, hopestory.org. And really the idea is, hey, how do we 
the, the ultimate goal is we want to connect every OBGYN in America to a family raising a child with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. So that when that OBGYN gives the news to a new parent that their child is likely going to be born with Down syndrome at the same time, they can say, hey, hey we actually know a family that's local that has a child with Down syndrome. We'd love to connect you with that family to give them some hope, some yes. encouragement, basically to be to those parents what that friend in Houston was to us, just a friendship. Mm-hmm. And um, so we have hundreds of hope advocates across the United States now that are parents. And really that was all spurred from Noah's life um, and just his, you know, just his life, his life story. That's awesome. Yeah. That Do you all have stories of like this specific family like decided to keep their child? We heard some this, I heard some this weekend. We were at a conference this weekend and for moms um, and some of them were hope advocates already. And some of them hopefully will become hope advocates Yeah, is what, that's what we call the person who is a hope story. Um, And she said that a mom was very confused and didn't know. And she met with her and now her baby is seven months old and wouldn't change her. So those stories are starting. I think it takes time for, us to infiltrate the system. Yes, yes. Um, and on average, I would say like an OBGYN probably gives this diagnosis one or two times a year. So it's not horribly common for okay. a single provider okay. to do that. Whereas if you get higher up into more complicated fields, so like a maternal fetal medicine might see that several times a month, but they're getting... it's more on their radar. Yes. This is the resource. That kind yeah. Of so yeah. like we're one of our board members uses us a lot. So like we've connected lots of families that way. You know, parents are, parents are passionate about their kids. And so I think one of the things that that we hope to do that I hope that we are doing is giving parents an opportunity to have a platform to, you know, brag about one of the things that they're passionate about, which is their child. And then, and then redeem, not, not redeem because there's nothing wrong with their child, but be able to use their child's story to then help someone else. It's really awesome. And, and, you know, I think a lot of times, organizations are the heroes and, and, hey, go to the organization, which is um, one great way to do it. But for us, we really want parents to be the heroes. Yeah. And we, want to, we want those parents to, um, you know, feel the excitement of, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm using my story to make a difference uh-huh. in the world. And yeah. so, you know, Hope Story is an organization. We also can help people, obviously. But really, I get excited when a parent can, you know, do that themselves and, yeah. and, really, and really take the reins and, and be the hero yeah. of the story. Yeah. So. Is it hard for y'all? Like, I just think with that many people seeing Noah, mm-hmm. is it hard to have like the critics or are you like over it? I'm over it. I don't even read the comments <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Um, I mean, are pretty different yeah. in that. <laughs> and so I, I, I am a, uh, Yes, I, I've been on the internet for a really long time, and so um, you know we get a lot of comments, and and I go back and forth with a lot of people, and and it's okay. <laughs> Abby does not. Um, I just you don't you just don't even look or engage in it. It doesn't bother me anymore. It used to, right? Um, I used there. I mean, I can think of specific posts that we've done that we had critics on. Like one that was really silly was how high we let our water get in a bathtub. People were there was a group of people that were irate that we would waste that much water in a bathtub. Uh-huh. Yeah, recently someone was criticizing <laughs> the groceries in our basket, right, yeah, right? Things like that. So, and that was funny to me. Like the recent one, I'm like, well, that's funny. Like we had carrots and granola bars, and they were criticizing yeah. our. I, I just feel basket. like you've got if you've got that many people yeah. looking at your life, yeah. Then you're also going to have a percentage that are just going to. Yeah, COVID yeah. has brought out a lot of people that have a lot of different <laughs> different perspectives on that, and and yeah, I mean honestly, I don't, I, I, I mean I'm human, right? But so no one likes mean things said about them, but I mean strangers on the internet saying things about me doesn't. Who cares? Doesn't yeah. really bother me. I mean, you know, I and I, and also you got to know like from a theological perspective, like. Those are people they're probably hurting. Yes. And, you know, I still I, I'll sometimes jump in and go, you know, I'll go around with them a little bit, but those are people, you know, and and, yeah. and um, you know, hurt people, hurt people and and all that kind of stuff. But th- those are people on the other end of the keyboard and no telling what they're going through. And, you know, so yeah. it doesn't mean you have to you know, I think sometimes we we think, well, I can't say anything because it's not Christ like to say anything. But sometimes I think you can also stand your ground and reply back in a way that is 
holding fast to maybe your opinions and in being strong, but but also not being a jerk about it, you know? So I, know. I, I, I it's like a it. hard yeah. thing to navigate. Yeah. You know, and you, this is a cool like connecting of your passions and your gifting, mm-hmm. but it also brings in, it's, it's hard. And, and it's also things, like, you know, the, the percentage is like point zero five negative to exactly. But yeah. we're humans, right? So we always think about, you know, it's like when you're in a performance review and your boss gives you one thing to work on yeah. and 200 positives, you, you you fixate on the one thing to work on, right? Because we're human and we think, you know, oh, man, I did this horrible, th-, you know. Yes. You, the, the negative feedback tends to drown out the positive, uh-huh. but it doesn't really do that for me when it comes to Noah because I know his life has affected so many people mm, and, yeah. and, you know, if someone's going to get mad. They're really going to – we're at the state fairs tonight and they're really going to get mad when they see <laughs> what we eat. Gosh. What we eat there. <laughs> Because we skipped oh, no. a year. Last year was a leap year, so no, you gotta go I got to make up. We went. I got to make up. It we was a drive-through last we year, which I went, in the car. but it wasn't the same. It wasn't. So you post, and you're ready for the you're ready for the comments yes. about the whatever corn yeah. dogs are fried. Yeah, Rick kindfully engages when appropriate. I feel like, <laughs> and you are like, I am. Not, I don't even look. I'm not even in it. Mm-mm. Yeah. Oh, okay. I want to hear about thinking about Noah starting school Mm -hmm. and what that was like. It was terrifying. Yeah. I'm like, it's hard for every parent. And then you think like, oh, he's got these these needs. So tell me about that. So we were sending a kiddo to school who was not yet potty trained, had maybe a handful of words and couldn't tell me anything about his day. Was so, this in kindergarten? or This early? is kindergarten. Okay. We sent him earlier. So he had been in typical. So we will refer to normal as typical. That is how I will refer to it. Okay. Because we're not calling Noah abnormal. Right. We're just calling him not neurotypical. Okay. So that's kind of words that we'll use. So he went to a typical preschool. Okay. Um, and there were about four buddies there that were going to be going to our current school. Okay. So I was very excited about that because they knew him. They'd seen him. But in preschool, the kids don't really pick up on differences that much. He was just Noah. He'd been there for a few years. He did go, there's a preschool program through the school district in every state that is for children with disabilities. It's labeled different things, but he went to that for half day. So a bus would come get him in the afternoon, take him to that and bring him back. So he'd be gone during basically nap time. Um, So the kids didn't even really miss, like, no, he was gone. Uh And then he'd come back and play more because we needed full-time care. Um, So he would do that. So he was going to Bowie, but this was just different because this was me releasing him into the classroom and felt much more real than preschool. Yes, (laughs) yes. So and the first day I had signed, because, again, both Rick and I were working full-time, so we needed – more care. So we had enrolled him in the after school program. So to start the day off, they called us in the morning and told us Noah couldn't come because of his needs. To the after school? Yes, to the after school program. So one, we were left with like, what looking back now, we should have done a lot more than what we did. We should have fought this, but we didn't because we didn't know what we were doing at the beginning. Um, but so we were like left without care and also this feeling of like not being wanted initially. So it was, that just set the day off really wrong. So then I walk in and have to drop him off, and I left crying more than I'd probably ever cried in my life. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm leaving my baby here. They don't want him here. They're gonna. What's going to happen to him? Um, we actually had a horrid IEP initially because the school didn't know we were coming to them until, like, two weeks before. So I just wanted to, like, test the waters and see how he did. So his individual education plan – was not written by our homeschool that we were going to. Mm-hmm. Just it didn't really go too well the first right. few weeks. But we learned a lot about education law <laughs> um, the first few <laughs> weeks. Um, they preferred Noah. They wanted to know his options, which an option was to go to a different campus that had a different program. Um, but we were very... Um, steadfast and that we wanted him in our neighborhood school because mm-hmm. that's where his brothers would go. Mm-hmm. And we wanted him to be like kind of our goal for him was to be loved and, and accepted in the community where he lives. So right. we wanted him to be with his neighbors as well. So that way when Noah's walking down the street, people know him, know who he is and want him to come to their birthday parties and all of those things. So while it was terrifying, the community that we're in just loved Noah. 
So we had friends. All of a sudden, there was a little girl that just latched on to him, and we kept hearing about her. From? From kindergarten. From Noah? but Not from Noah, just from people. They'd oh, be like, okay. oh, you should see how this sweet little girl is oh. just loves your son. They made up handshakes. They She made him, played with him at recess. And so one thing I knew is that if I could talk about Noah's differences that – are kind of weird, so that we're not potty trained, we can't talk, those kind of things. If I could go in there and break down those barriers, people would be more likely to include him. With the, his class? With his class. Okay. So about I two weeks in, I said, can I come in and talk to the class? Mm-hmm. So I came in, and I wrote a book that's specific for Noah, plus I read some other books and did games. So I did a game where we talk about what we're similar and what so like you raise your hand if you do this or if you do that. So uh-huh. if you have blue eyes, raise your hand. If you like chocolate, raise your hand. And just like showing them. So Noah has these similarities with you and also these differences from you, but just saying that we're more alike than different. Yes. Was Noah in there with yes, you? Yes, and he loved it. So Because oh, his mom got to go <laughs> yes. in and yes. And I said Jesus doesn't like people who are mean to other people. <laughs> No, Rick I was not. not I did not say that. No. Yeah, Rick, yeah, you were like, um, no, just saw him. will do this. Yeah. Did you just feel compelled to do this, or had you heard about this? Or I mean, no? I know people had done it before. I wasn't the first mom right. to do it, but it was kind of my – I was – I couldn't find anything that fit what I wanted to do, which is to really talk about what was different about him uh-huh. so that they knew why he needed that. So I, that's why I wrote a book specific for Noah. So I also had them put a marshmallow in their mouth. And had them talk and, like, order off a menu, like, what do you want? And you have to do that with a marshmallow in your mouth Mm -hmm. so that they knew that Noah understands what you're saying. He just can't respond clearly. Mm -hmm. So I think that was kind of eye-opening to them. I mean, it's so smart to do that. But then the book that I wrote was just like, hey, Noah needs help with the potty still, and he may look younger than you, and he can't talk, and he's going to get pulled out of class. And just so that they knew what was going to go on with him. So then he was just Noah, and Mm -hmm. these are the needs that he had. And I never really labeled it as Down syndrome because they don't – I said that in the book, but I wasn't – they didn't. They don't need a label. They just were like, well, why is that kid in diapers? Exactly. So just explaining, well, he still needs help with the potty, and yeah. he's going to do this. And so I think it took away the weird so that way they could engage more. Mm-hmm. And I know a little girl later, like the next year, who had different disabilities, used the book, and all of a sudden she was surrounded by – like she wrote the book specific for her – and all of a sudden, she had all these friends at the playground after her mom went in and did this. So I think if you can just take away the weirdness that kids uh-huh. aren't used to seeing yes. in their age range, then it's like, oh, well, he's just part of us. And mm-hmm. he is our age, and he wants a friend. And so that was my big part is, like, you all want friends. Noah does, too. Yeah. Um, so he is very much included. And so we've he's definitely bonded to certain people in his grade level that invite him to parties. And I've always made a point to also include them in what we do. So I think a lot of times a special needs parent will tend to back away and not invite over. They want their kids to be included, but they're not making much of an effort themselves. Uh And so we have always made an effort to reach out first. So like that little girl, we went on play dates. And then at a day today, we're taking a friend, I think, to the fair with us, one of those friends. But we will always outreach to who we're hearing about. Now we hear like names from Noah who he's interested in. So we make a point to find those parents and engage and include their kid with what we're doing. And it's kind of fun because I think Noah does sometimes find the outcasts that need a friend Uh um, because he doesn't – he has no judgment in friends. Like every single person knows he's his friend. And we've been told like this little boy's never been invited to a birthday party and he's so excited to go to Noah's party. And we're just like, well, that's what we want too. Right. Um, And so it's just really sweet to see how he befriends people and Mm -hmm. he'll befriend anyone. Um, So it teaches you a lot about the value of people and how you look for friends as well. Like, yeah. I have a completely different view of people in general just because of Noah. Like, yeah. you know, when you see a homeless person on the street, you think about, well, what got you here? Or, you know, a Chick-fil-A who tends to hire people with special needs. Like, it's so encouraging to see them there and engage with them and tell them, hey, man, this is an awesome job. Do you love it? And just they're not accessories. They're there with a purpose yes. um, to do their job. and. So it's definitely – it's been fun. But our community has been great. So it took a terrifying experience and has made it very encouraging. And one of the moms who saw me walk out in tears made a huge impact by just reaching out to me and saying, hey, we go to snow cones the first day of school. Would you like to join us? And she was just – she she talked to me more about – like I saw you were down. 
<laughs> you yeah, know, like, yeah. are you okay? She had also dropped off a kindergartner but had older kids. But it was a group of moms, and they actually went to our church. And so they just were there for us and included yes. Noah and included me. And so that made a huge impact. So also, like, looking for people to make that impact on. So, yeah. yeah. What are other activities like signing Noah up for things in the summer? Sports activities. What is that like? We did do some typical sport activities initially. We did soccer through like the YMCA Mm -hmm. and he had a blast. But we also realize while it's fun for Noah, it can be a little bit of a hindrance to have him on your team, Mm -hmm. especially as it gets more competitive. And Mm -hmm. let's be real, Texas sports are a little different. A little competitive. (laughs) So we actually use the Miracle League for his sports, which is a buddy program. And I've tried to like see if there's people interested for – like football that doesn't win and stuff like that. But there hasn't been enough people to show interest where we could actually start a team, which okay. is fine. Totally get that. Yeah. But Miracle League runs six-week seasons for all the sports and puts a buddy with Noah. Okay. And so he has somebody out there on the field. So he does soccer, baseball, football, basketball just year-round. So yeah. he loves it. It's his team. He gets a team shirt. There's a buddy. He loves his buddies. The buddies love him. I'm the coach, the soccer yeah. coach. <laughs> Rick is the soccer coach. Rick's never played soccer ever. Um, so you don't care. Like a this- special needs soccer team is the only team I would ever want to okay. coach. Because yeah. the parents are there just to be there. They're yeah. having a good time. The, yeah, there's nothing like watching a parent of a kid with special needs play yeah. sports and be included. Like, they're just beaming. Yes. So well, they're it's just kind of like what so- it should be. And, and I, like yes. the, I, like the, I like the Miracle League. I like Special Olympics because I think, like, we're in this weird culture where, you know, everyone wants to be, like – Especially in the special needs community, we're all about inclusion. Uh-huh. And, and I think sometimes I'm all about inclusion, but I think it's important to also know that Noah has Down syndrome, right? And so, like, you know, we say things, people say things that they don't really mean because they sound good. Like, you can do whatever you want. Like, Noah can't be a, a brain surgeon. Mm-hmm. Like, he has Down syndrome, mm-hmm. okay? And so, would you want someone with Down syndrome operating on your brain? Like, it's okay to say, no, probably not. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, if I like Noah, the Miracle League is awesome. And and like he has Down syndrome. And so like, you know, anytime there's a football, anytime there's a video of like, you know, hey, the kid with Down syndrome, they let him in for the last two seconds of the game and he ran the touchdown and everyone's here and it goes viral on NBC five. Like, I don't get super excited about that because it's like I don't need you guys to make my son the token kid that gets you guys on, you know, it feels good. Oh, the kid with Down syndrome uh-huh. is the prom king. It's like, maybe, but maybe you guys also just wanted to go viral because you're sweet and, like, made the news. Like, That's I don't get excited about that That's such an interesting point, yeah. Because I'm like, Noah has Down syndrome, okay? So you don't have to pretend that he doesn't have Down syndrome. Right. It's okay that he has it. Yeah. And Noah wants to be included. So, yeah, it feels good to let Noah on the team, and I want to – I want to create opportunities for Noah to be a part of things, but also don't need people to patronize Noah. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. I, don't, I don't need you to, like, pretend that he doesn't have Down syndrome. Right. Like, it's okay. Well, and there are things that he can succeed yes. on on but his th- own. Noah's yeah. a so, part of Hope Story. I mean, he travels yeah, all over the place. He was yeah. just at a meeting with me, you know, and just at yeah. an event with us this yeah. weekend. And so, you know, like those kids that work at Chick-fil-A, they love their job. And so I think before Noah was born, you know, I would see someone working somewhere with special needs and I would kind of be like, oh, man, that's the best it ever gets for you. Like almost in a pity. But now when I see someone with special needs working at like Walmart or Chick-fil-A or wherever, I know I'm excited for them because I know for them that that's like they love their job probably. Right. Now, they may not. They're human like everybody else and, you know, yeah. work is work. But they probably love their job and they don't need you to feel pity for them or sorry for them because they work at Chick-fil-A for them. They're probably like, this, this is, is a great awesome job, job. Mm-hmm. and I love what I'm doing and yes. I'm making a, a contribution to my community. And so, yeah, so like for Noah, you know, I want Noah to have, um, you know, to have a sense of purpose and value and feel like he's contributing. I want him to be a part, but I think like somehow down the road of our life when we're growing up, we're taught to like, when you see a difference, it's rude to talk about it. Or if you see a guy that's a quadriplegic, just ignore the fact that he's a quadriplegic because it's rude to talk to him. And that's like really bad advice. Like people don't need you to ignore what yeah. you see. And so like 
For us, it's okay to say, hey, tell me about Down syndrome, what's that like? Like, we're not afraid. It's not a curse word to say Down syndrome. Right. And I think, like, even when we're out in public and I see someone maybe who has lost a limb, man, I encourage my kids to go ask them, like, hey, tell me about that. Tell me, because there's probably a story wrapped up there. Or they they don't, they they don't mind talking about it. And Uh people aren't going to think you're rude talking about disabilities. Like, it's not, it's not a curse word. It's not something to be shamed about. Is it almost worse to be like, oh, they're ignoring me? Yeah, I feel like avoiding or something like that. Yeah, if you see a kid in a wheelchair, it's it's okay to talk to their parent about their kid in the wheelchair. Like it doesn't, you don't have to pretend and act awkward about it. Like it's it's okay. Like with Noah, it's okay when you if you see us or if you're you know if you're a parent and you have a kid in your kid's class who has a disability, to reach out to the parent and go, hey, tell me about that, man. I don't have a kid with Down syndrome, so if I invited your kid over to my house, what do I need to be aware of? What do I need to know? If you yeah. see a kid in a wheelchair and you say, I, I don't, I don't have a, a child in a wheelchair, but I would love to invite someone to come hang out with our kids at our house. And so I'd have to say, man, I've never had anybody at my house with a wheelchair. Help me know what I don't know. What's that like? How do we, what do we do? That's great. And that's okay yeah. to talk about that yeah. stuff. But somehow yeah. I think, I don't know, like my parents never taught me it was rude to talk to someone. I think I, you just always grow up thinking, man, I can't talk to someone or even make eye contact if they're, you know, lost their leg. You don't want to do that. Yeah. But it's okay to talk to them. They're not weird you know yeah. they, don't, they don't mind yeah talking to you about yeah. their, dis- their differences what about your because you've got two other boys mm-hmm. how has Noah impacted them I think in a good way so I mean our middle has a heart of gold um and is extremely compassionate and caring and encouraging and I think that's because mm-hmm. he's only like those two have only ever known Noah like they don't know life without it yeah it's now that our middle is in school and has his own social group. He prefers those friends compared to Noah. So now Noah has latched more to our youngest. Got it. Um, okay. So they used to play together. They were inseparable okay. um, until probably four or five for our middle. So they're all three years apart. So Noah is six years older than his mm-hmm. youngest brother. Um, so it's Cohen and Jackson. So Cohen's our youngest and Jackson's our middle. While Noah and Jackson still play... Noah now prefers Cohen, which okay. is fine. And that, Great, yeah. And Cohen adores Noah. They're into kind of the same things, whereas our middle is like totally sports-driven. Noah and Cohen prefer to build stuff yes. and to play with superheroes and kind of miniature figures and stuff like that. So uh-huh. they're creating whole different worlds down on the floor while the other one's like throwing balls against the wall. Yeah. <laughs> but Jackson also will – like play soccer with Noah and mm-hmm. play football um, and do those things. And I think, you know, we have always said, make sure you look for the kid who looks like he's not included. So like yeah. if you, so when we're going to school, it's like, Hey, if you see somebody who's not playing, you make sure you ask them to come play. Mm-hmm. If you see someone who seems sad, you need to go ask them why. Mm-hmm. And if we ever like, I honestly, you know, school part is not that big for me, but if I hear you're being unkind, that's a big deal. Right. Like if you if you didn't do great on that test, yes. I'm okay with that. Yes. But but I need you to be kind and yes. to be the friend that to others that we want you to yeah. be. Do you feel like you were always that way or has Noah compelled you to be more so? I was totally not that way. So I mean, as a pediatrician, I was very driven by test scores and what huh. I could do and your performance and I mean, I yeah, I did all these things. And so to have a uh-huh. kid who truly uh-huh. has an intellectual disability uh-huh. and to realize, okay, maybe what we do doesn't make my worth. Huh. So it's really changed. Like I don't need Noah to ever perform for me at a certain level. Mm-hmm. He has worth because he was created mm-hmm. in God's image. Mm-hmm. And whatever he wants to do or whatever he finds purposes in that's fine with me. Yeah. But I don't need him to have an IQ of certain yeah. points or anything. And it's definitely, I hope I'm portraying that to my others as well, that I don't need you to be smart or whatever, mm-hmm. like whatever God has gifted you with. Yes, I want you to use those gifts. Um, but if it's not something that I deemed previously valuable, that's okay. Yeah. Um, I just want you to find purpose and go and after it. Like that's... One of the gifts of parenting is we Mm -hmm. get this glimpse of the way God feels about us. Yes. True. And that's exactly like, I mean, God's like, I don't need you to perform for me. Yeah. 
You know, yeah. I don't need you to achieve all these things. Yes. Yeah, and we want our kids. I mean, I think it's really hard to have a brother who has, you know, a disability, um, an intellectual disability, and then to that that wouldn't affect you in the way that you see other people. You know, mm-hmm. so I think like our kids. I hope that because of Noah, they they have a tenderness towards other people, mm-hmm. and they know that we, you know, are includers and we are initiators and we. Yeah, I mean, it's our job to go and, and, and to look around and scan and to find people who are on the outcast or people who aren't included and yeah. invite them in. And um, because we want people to do that for our son, we want people, we want Noah yeah. to be included, not excluded. And so I hope, you know, that, you know, obviously we have a seven year old and we have a three year old. So, but I hope as they grow up and they mature, that having a brother like Noah has just radically changed the way they see people, the way yes. they interact with people. And I think it will. I mean, I think I can't imagine that it wouldn't, that you wouldn't yeah. see people differently Absolutely. because of having that unique sibling yeah. relationship. Was there a time, did did Jackson just like always kind of like, was there a time you had to explain like, this is your brother, this is why your brother is. I, don't, I think he you know? probably picked it up when he was around four um, that there was differences. I remember being at a Chick-fil-A and somebody had called Noah weird. And so oh. he came up to me and asked me like, why'd that guy call my brother weird? Oh. I knew he'd oh. heard that from somebody. Or I think he said, why is Noah weird? And I was like, oh, you heard that from somebody. So we just, you know, well, Noah learns differently. And yeah. I think we, he picked up the label, I think, faster than most kids do. I hear a lot of families that most, like, it's a little bit older before you're labeling it. And I feel like six or seven is honestly a time when the label makes sense And I think a lot of, like, kiddo. a lot of, like, conversations along the way. Yeah. You know, like, and, hey, Jackson, when you, what do you think makes Noah different? Or why is Noah different? Or what do you see different? Or yeah. what do you think uh-huh. about Down syndrome? And so now when we're out and about, you know, Jackson will point people out and say, yes. he has Down syndrome. You know, he'll yeah. just kind of point people. He has, <laughs> yeah. like, a scanner. <laughs> and he just, you know, he can pick Notices up. Notices it. Yeah. yeah, the physical characteristics. Yeah. But he also, like, befriends them. So Noah has friends who have Down syndrome as well as typical friends. And Jackson is just as much a friend and gets very angry if he can't hang out with those kids as well. Uh So he goes – our church offers um, kind of a respite night Mm -hmm. for us, and it includes all your children, and they get to go. And it is Jackson's, like, favorite night of the month. He loves it. He goes there. He gets special attention from somebody, but he also gets to interact with lots of kids of yeah. all different abilities. So there's children that are autistic and other kids with Down syndrome. And I don't, you know, like Noah's best friend who has Down syndrome is a kid named Ben, and he goes to that as well. Uh-huh. And Jackson, like, totally tries to weasel his way into that into, the, into yeah. that relationship. Um, but he knows that Ben has Down syndrome and just yeah. doesn't bother him. Like, it's just part of who that person is, and he knows how to interact with them. One thing that I heard along this way is the best way to look at someone with special needs is to look how their siblings treat them. And it's true Hmm. because they don't know them to be any different Mm -hmm. and how they're interacting and playing. Like even I learn from them. Oh yeah. Of how to treat people. Um, It's just interesting to look at the way. And like I have a video that popped up as a memory. Memories are always fun on Facebook. Yeah. And it was Jackson and Noah playing football. And Noah was actually throwing the football really well. And Jackson was like, Noah should be on my team. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, yeah. Yeah, that should go. Yeah. He should be on your team. Yeah. Um, but just that thought. And I think a lot of kids, you don't start out. We have never honestly had and like experienced a lot of hate towards Noah. Yeah. Um, I think people are afraid of that, and they think their kids are going to be teased or bullied. But we honestly have not experienced that. And one of my goals was that we would be in our current community long term Mm -hmm. so that they knew Noah from the beginning. Mm Because I think if you come in and you don't know anything, like coming in at seventh grade is different than having that experience the whole time. Well, he's building friends that are going to be with him forever and look out for him. That was kind of my goal is that you know him from the beginning, so you just know Noah. And yes. you take him through that because the, the gap is going to get further and further yeah. as we get bigger. And we definitely notice that. So, like, we're in fifth grade, but Noah's not reading on his own. We're doing some simple math. It's very different. Yes. But he's still in the classroom 50% of his day. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so he's there with his friends, and it's probably more social time than learning time, but that's fine. Um, but yeah, and he has I mean, a, it's, yeah, and he it's, has an aid and I, all of that. Yeah, how do I live in the world? Yes, like, yeah. but those kids also have to learn how to live with Noah, and because yeah. if you're not friends now, you're not going to be friends later. Right. So if you don't have it, and like I look at us growing up, it was very much – I mean, the idea law, which allows kids with special needs to be in the classroom, is a 90s law. So a lot of us grew up without that law even in place, so kids Uh were separate. So, I mean, Uh I remember the separate classroom, and I would occasionally see those kids, but they weren't my friends. They they came in for, like, maybe music or something, but we weren't engaging with them or being friends with them. Um, So we're definitely seeing that, and I'm hoping that they will kind of be his bubble of protection as we get bigger so that as kids come in, because we will, you know, obviously go into bigger junior high and then even a bigger high school. I know. Um, that those kids that know him, well, that's Noah. Right. And so I know a few of the elementary schools that will be combining have kids with special needs, so there's going to be these bubbles of kids that come and will combine. But we've never – I. I don't think we've ever experienced bullying or anything through the school. And right now we're getting these notes home that are from superheroes that are written by his classmates. We're trying to figure it out. We don't know what it is, but it's really sweet. What is it? We have no idea. But we're getting like every day there's a note from a new superhero that's clearly written by a fifth grader. Kind of sweet, kind of corny. Oh, no. But Batman's it's just, writing Noah yeah, notes. We've got Spider-Man, Batman. It's Batman, super sweet that someone's and, doing that. But it's just like, it, it's different kids. Like, it's but not Noah the same kid. Noah doesn't know who it is. No, he just thinks it's from a Noah superhero. Noah thinks Batman's writing him notes. But it's and, really cute. And they're just, it's just like, it's, okay. It's, it's a fifth, it's a, it, it is, they're fifth graders trying the best they can yeah, to love on a kid, sweet. which is awesome. Yes. yes. And like, Noah will hold fifth grade boys' hands and they let him hold their hand. Oh. And it's just like, I'm sure parents love to see that compassionate side. Yes. Um of their children to see them and it teaches them something too. So I, if, if we were to ever leave, I think there'd be a riot. I think there's a tendency to think of it as like, how yes. sweet of those kids to yes. take care of Noah. But actually the real gift is for them. Yeah. They're the ones that are really receiving the gift, yeah. you know? Well, it was really, it was, and I didn't realize that until, no, it was in kindergarten, all, in all honesty, of, yeah. like, the benefit for the other kids. Yes. I was there because I wanted Noah to learn typical behaviors. I was like, the benefit was all for us. I didn't really think about the benefit on the other side. Uh-huh. Um, I just wanted him to get that experience and see that. But at the end of the year, his sweet again, his friend that was a girl, um, her mom wrote me a note and just like, I didn't realize how much my daughter needed Noah. I was like, well, that's really sweet. Yeah. But just it opened up this whole view of her that he she hadn't witnessed in her daughter of yeah. being compassionate and kind and inclusive. And I was like, oh, well, he should be there for the other kids too to learn yes. and to benefit. Um, and it is an oh, sweet look. What, they really are compassionate and treat people mm-hmm. differently. Like I think his class is different because, of because he's present there. Yes. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think that these sorts of conversations are, are important as to parents to hear because I think that kids learn from their parents, right? And so as parents, oh, yeah. we, I think it's important to model for our kids that we have friendships with people that don't look just like us mm-hmm. and live where we live and talk like we talk. You got to be intentional with that because we can easily hang out with just our neighbors or our PTA moms or whatever. And I think it's important. You know, for me, our kids have seen lots of different people come around us. We've mm-hmm. had, we have lots of different kinds of friends and go to a lot of different places. And, you know, I hope that continues. I hope our kids, I hope we do model that for our kids. Right. That, man, we, we do have, people are people. And so we're going to have lots of experiences and lots of different friends. And I think parents, you know, also have to model that. You know, they have to be the ones also to say, hey, we're going to invite Noah to the party, or we're going to invite people to our house that don't look just like mm-hmm. us. And that doesn't have to be a disability. It can be a lot of different things, yeah. faith, color, background, all kind of things. But I think, you know, we want to expose our kids to to see, hey, it's, it's normal to have friends that don't look like us, think like us, talk mm-hmm. like us. And, and you know, and, and if, if your kids never see that, that's tough, you know. And so I think that's not like a – Guilt trip, that's a, hey, how how can you look for people to reach out to and include, right. not, and not make it a service project, but really like, hey, we want to be friends with different Because we want people. this in our, like, 
we want this in our lives. It's yeah. not because we need to help somebody necessarily, yes. but we want the different perspective, right. different people, diversity, you know, is a buzzword, but we want, we want to be diverse in our relationships. Yeah. And I think for me, for all of us, that can be a struggle because we gravitate to people that look like us, talk like us, live like us, mm-hmm. have the same amount of money that we have. And it, it, you have to be strategic with that. And you have yeah. to say, Hey, I want, I want to have friends that are right. That don't look just like me, you right. know, that aren't carbon copies of me. And, let your kids see that. And that these sort of conversations, I think, are like a norm in your house that you talk about. Hey, is there anybody in your class that doesn't look like you? Or, hey, maybe yeah. you could reach out to them. Or maybe we could invite them over. Maybe you invite them to your birthday party. And that starts at a young age. And, you you know, hey, when you see someone on the playground that's by themselves, invite them over. Mm-hmm. Well, what if they're not good at soccer? That's okay. Help them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, yeah. like you teach your – those things are learned. You know, those things are – are, are taught to our kids. They don't just instinctively know that. You have to teach them that. Right. And so I think that's an important lesson for parents is, hey, are you having those kind of conversations? Are you doing those things yourself, but are you talking to your kids about Are you that? doing it? Yes. Yeah, and, 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 and yeah. letting your kids, hey, like bullying, we're not going to, you're not going to be a bully in this house. Like if you yeah. ever, you know, hit someone at school, like those are the things you will get in a lot of trouble for at the Smith house is being mean, unkind, putting your hands on another person, like, we don't do that here. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you talk in class, yeah, whatever. Like, that's different than, hey, you you hit someone or you got in a yeah. fight on the playground. Like, yeah. we don't. That's a very different. Consequence. Consequence. Right. And and so, you know, I think as parents, we have, we, we it's, especially if you're a Christian parent, right? We're to disciple our kids and teach them, hey, this is how Christ cares for other people. And, you know, being mean and unloving and unkind and speaking unkind and gossiping, like, those things just don't fly here. Yeah. And and you, you want to raise kids like that that, yeah. that are that bring joy to the world, not chaos and cause people to cry. You know, Absolutely. like you don't want to raise yeah. kids like that. Yeah. And you could be the best parent in the world and still have kids that do that. <laughs> Ask my mom. Yeah. <laughs> but um but you want to have those conversations with your kid, and that, that's an ongoing, not a one-time thing. It's yeah. tell me about your day, who'd you meet, yeah. tell me about the playground. Like you, those are ongoing. The social conversations. Where I think a lot of times we can major on the academic part of, yeah. or the even with you know sports. Mm-hmm. But did you you should have scored, you should have done it, you know, yeah. or whatever. And it's like no, the the social and the kindness and the inclusiveness matters. Yeah, and if you're at a birthday party or you're at a park or you're somewhere and you observe your your child, you know, being mean to another child or gossiping or pushing, like man, I think you nip, make that you, a big right deal. there. You, hey, we would pull Jackson right there and say, "Come here," or Cohen or whoever Noah. Hey, buddy, we don't do this. Right, you know, like that. Like that's that's the thing. I hope that our kids when they get to be adults that they go, hey, man, in our house, that did not fly. We right. were not mean. We were not – our parents did not play with that yeah. stuff. And because and, I wanted to know, man, like we we treat people kind. That's serious yeah. business. Yeah. Um, and we want to be includers and all those, yeah. all those kind of things. So, Okay, I want to ask you all a question that's not on this list. But so, like, you have a full-time job. Yes. And you have a full-time job, <laughs> right? You're, like, managing a lot. How do y'all do that? Like, and your relationship? I mean, I would call myself three-quarter time. (laughs) (laughs) So I always have one day off a week, which tends to be full of things that need to be done. Right. So that is like the doctor's appointment today. And like Noah, we continue to do speech with Noah. So he has speech on Wednesdays as my day Uh off. And I I definitely have my priorities of what's important. So like my house, not so important. Mm -hmm. So it's not exactly together. Rick's not even <laughs> acknowledging. <laughs> but we have our priorities and we, we, I would say quality time is important in our house. Uh-huh. So we do tend to travel a lot and our weekends are with each other. Our evenings, we, unless there is a practice, we are typically eating together. At home. At home. Yeah. Um, and we do also like to go out to eat a lot, but that is also together. So like Rick is very extroverted. I'm mm-hmm. extremely introverted, yeah. but I will follow him wherever he wants to go. So, I mean, we travel a lot. For your work? No, or, just or in just general. Because. I mean, sometimes it's work, but, like, I mean, we're frequently, like, going to Waco to visit his mom. We went to Mexico this summer. We go to Colorado where my family is. Mm-hmm. Like, we tend to fill our weekends with activities. Sometimes it's sports. Sometimes it's not. But, I mean – if we are not working, we are together. And Rick has flexibility. He works from home. 
Um, so he is, he's able to pick up kids. He is extremely helpful with doing things that are kid related in all honesty, like getting them places and flexibility stuff like that. Cause my schedule is not very flexible. Like Uh my day is scheduled and I have to be here from here to here. Whereas if something like if a kid all of a sudden needs to get picked up from school, Rick is able to go do that for us. But like now we're hitting a busy season where he is going to be traveling on the weekends and stuff to present hope story Mm. at different buddy walks and does Noah go a lot to your on those things yeah as much as yeah I mean as much as possible I mean you know he misses school and in my mind we have different parenting we have different thoughts on that I'm like pull him out of school this is doing this event is bigger than better than going to (laughs) school you know and so we don't want the the uh truancy police coming over (laughs) but but yeah I mean as much as I can take him people know Noah you know he's like kind of a Little, little celebrity. celebrity. People know yeah. him and recognize him. But his story, I mean, for a lot of people, um, Noah's story is the first story that they came across after learning their child was going to be born with Down syndrome. So there's this really emotional Real connection. connection. Yeah, people you know, will sometimes have tears in their eyes when they talk to us because they, the, 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 Noah's story has brought them literally I mean, so much hope yes. and joy. Yes. And so, um, yeah, so I mean, I think you know, my work is sort of just blended with my life. And so there's a lot of like overlap, I feel right. like. And, and, but we, um, man, I mean, we just hang out a lot. I mean, um, you know, a lot of couples, I feel like love to go on date nights without their kids. I think we're the opposite. I mean, we do go places without our kids, but we really love hanging with them and traveling with them, making memories with them. I love that. Um, and we make a lot of memories. We do. We travel. I think travel is probably a high priority for us, and it could be going to Waco or Mexico. It doesn't matter where we're going. I just think we love to make memories and, I mean, go on Noah's Instagram and just see all the places that, that Noah has been. But, yeah, I mean, we just we love to make memories, love to travel. And I think, you know, you know, I, I want our kids to grow up Knowing that, man, being being a Christ follower is a lot of fun, a lot of joy that we have fun. Aww. We don't have to be, you know, sit in our house and have game night every night and play Uno <laughs> every night. That we can go have fun. We can have dance that's parties. That's fun too, Rick. Yeah, some people it's really love too. Uno. But that's not your jam. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a high extrovert. So I, I <laughs> yes. am always, I'm a goer. Um, yes. I do not like sitting at home and, and playing um, a game. Playing you want to be out about. I'm out and about. I love that. I have to have. Co- so, I mean, COVID was really hard for me because I'm a people person. I like to be not mm-hmm. like Times Square is, is like my jam. Like in the middle of the really? most people. Yeah. So we. I go to my brother lives in Brooklyn, so I go to New York a lot. Uh-huh. Abby hates New York, so often Jackson and I will go as often as we can. We'll go to New York for the weekend, hang out in New York. Abby hates it. Jackson, does he just he like loves New York? It. Yeah. He's like me. So Jackson he's, is okay. mini Rick. He's a mini Rick. Got it. He loves to go, go, go. He loves New York. We, we'll go till midnight walking around as late as we can until we're about to fall asleep. He loves it. Um, Abby and Noah do not. <laughs> I don't know where Jackson's going to land yet. Cohen. 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 Yeah. Um, but, um, but we just try to be together as much as we can. Yeah. Make memories. And um, and have fun. I mean, yeah. really. I mean, our family really is fun. I mean, it's a normal family. You have the normal things that families go through, but we love hanging together. You found the ways that y'all energize and connect. Like yes. you found that. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Okay, last question. How does Noah inspire you? Yeah. So I think <laughs> for me, um, a couple things. One, you know, I think sometimes when you know people see a family that has and I, and I and I thought this like a family, and you're out and about at a restaurant. You see a family that has a kid with special needs. You probably just kind of maybe have a, maybe you feel pity for them or feel sorry for them. And for for us, for for me, for us, um, I always like people to know that, you know, we wouldn't change one chromosome on Noah. Like if we had a time machine, and could go back. Um, we wouldn't change anything. Like we really enjoy being Noah's parents and mm. to take down syndrome away from Noah would be to take Noah away. Mm. And we really like him. Mm. And so we wouldn't change anything about Noah. Um, we really like him. And, and I think as far as how he inspires me, um, you know, he, it's like Abby said earlier or alluded to earlier, he just has a really um, sense of innocence and he'll mm. be your friend. He'll be your partner. He'll play with you. He'll hug you. He just loves you for you. Like you don't have to do anything for him. You don't have to drive a fancy car or whatever. Mm. Like, you know, if you'll just build Legos with him, he'll be your best buddy. And there's this sense of like, um, like almost like he sees the world through this lens of just like, 
innocence. And yeah. I, I, I really, you know, appreciate, I, I think we have a lot to learn from people like Noah um, because he's not trying to have the best car. He's not trying to have the best job. You know, he's content. He's content. And he lives yeah. a life of contentment where I don't. Um, and so I think that that and then just I think, you know, his life at 10 years old, you know, people spend their whole life trying to find purpose. And at 10, you know, Noah, his life has inspired a nonprofit, has helped people around the globe. And, you know, his story, just his life, a life that a lot of people choose not to even let out of the womb, mm. that his life has brought hope and has brought life and has brought joy and has impacted people around the globe. And, you know, it's hard not to look at a Noah and just think, man, God can use a Noah, God can use a Rick, like God can really use any of us to to make a difference in something that the world says, hey, this is not good, this is sad. God can take that and go, hey, no, what? This is not sad. This is a light, and I'm going to use this light to to, to bring joy to, yeah. to people across the globe. And yeah. so I think that's what something I've learned from Noah is, is just that, that God can God can use any story and do inc- incredibly more than you could ever yeah. think through with it. Yeah. When I think back to, you know, the beginning when I was basically trying to help Noah fit in the world Mm -hmm. rather than have the world accept Noah Mm -hmm. as who he is. And a really profound blog that I read more recently, and I wish I'd read it the first year, was just allowing your kid to have Down syndrome, to not try to get them to be on milestones and targets and things like that, but just let them be who they are. Mm -hmm. And so that has been really powerful to me. I'm like, okay, Noah has Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't change that. But it has made me a better physician, a better person. I see people differently. I interact with people differently. But I want to change the world so that they will include Noah as he is, that he doesn't mm-hmm. have to do anything to meet their standards, mm-hmm. to do, to be on grade level, to be doing certain things, mm-hmm. to be included. He's just included. Mm-hmm. And he has value just as he was designed. Um, and so it's really just inspired me as how I treat my patients. Like when I lay down a diagnosis, I know that I'm changing a person's world. So if I'm telling them, I mean, two words, Down syndrome changed our entire life. And now realizing the impact I have as a physician on people, even when I tell someone they have pneumonia, I mean, they're on antibiotics, they're sick. What do we need to watch out for? Like that's just changing to that parent in that moment and the worry and the fear that comes with it. So just realizing like the power I have as a physician and the impact, the positive impact I can have on these families that are raising children who are different, uh, valuing their kids, asking, how can I be a helper? How can I get you access to things? And just seeing their children not as burdens, not as scenarios that shouldn't have happened, but just as valuable humans that are loved by their family. Um, And I don't know a single parent that's not completely in love with their children Mm -hmm. who have disabilities. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just trying to help those families the best I can to maximize their potential. So it's just been a huge game changer for me and honestly just the way I view people. Because if I look at it through Noah's eyes, they all have value and could all be a friend and all that. So it's he's I totally agree. Wouldn't change one chromosome. If you told me you could take that 21st chromosome away, I'd fight you over it. What we do doesn't define our worth. (laughs) What we do doesn't define our worth. How many of us actually believe that about ourselves? How many of us believe that about the people we are around? We have worth because we are God's child, period. However, the world communicates a drastically different message, doesn't it? And just like Abby and Rick communicate to Noah that he is valuable no matter what his IQ is or what his grades at school are or how many goals he scores, we as parents have this incredible and beautiful opportunity to communicate to our kids that their achievements do not define their worth. And if I am honest, this is hard for me. It's hard for me to see it about myself. And it's it's hard for me to be careful about what I'm communicating to my kids. I find myself congratulating my boys for their good grades or 
a goal they made in soccer, whatever, and which isn't a bad thing. Congratulating and celebrating our wins isn't a bad thing. But on the flip side, what message am I communicating on days when that isn't the case? I think it's something for us to think about. All right, be sure to check out hopestory.com. It's so cool. It is such a cool organization where children with Down syndrome become heroes. Follow Noah's dad on social media. It's just will brighten your day. It's so great. And let's talk to our kids about including others. And what if we as parents are kind and inclusive as well? Thank you for listening. I would so appreciate it if you would share this podcast with a friend and I'll talk to you next time.